ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule Podcast. I am Janice Porter, your host, and my special guest today is Steve Farber. I am very excited to have Steve on the podcast. He has a lot of credentials, and I'm going to read you a few, and then we'll dig in because I have lots of things I want to know um, about Steve's work. So first of all, welcome, Steve, to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Janice. Hey, I just have a quick question before you officially introduce me. Have you ever had a guest who you were not excited to have on your podcast? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. Um, you know, if I'm honest, I would say yes, hmm. but we won't go into that right okay. now. We'll I'm just curious because I find myself I saying the same thing. You know, I'm just like, I'm excited to today. Well, yeah. if I wasn't excited, why would I have you on the podcast to begin with? But anyway. It's true, but there's other reasons, and I will go into that offline. Okay. That's yeah. a great well, question. I, I am excited to be here, so there you go. <laughs> I love it. Okay, thank you. Well, let me tell my audience a little bit about you. Um, Steve is ranked on Inc. Magazine, right? Inc. Magazine's listing of the top 50 leadership and management experts in the world and number one on Huffington Post's 12 business speakers to see. He is a best-selling author, popular keynote speaker, and a seasoned leadership coach and consultant who has worked with a vast array of public and private organizations in virtually every arena. He, I do want to read this because you are the former vice president of legendary management guru Tom Peters company and is the founder and CEO of the Extreme Leadership Institute, an organization devoted to helping its clients develop award-winning cultures and achieve radical results. The Institute's team has helped over 25 companies earn a ranking on the best places to work list. And I know you've written a bunch of books. I'm not going to read about that right now. I'm going to go right to your most recent book, Love is Just Damn Good Business, because I love the title. And um, it has, and you have been featured, and it has been featured on Wharton Radio and the World Economic Forum website, and has been listed by Book Authority as one of the top business strategy books of 2020. Um, Steve is also a member of the exclusive Transformational Leadership Council and sits on the steering committee of the Community Alliance for Youth Success, co-founded by Bobby DePorter and Stedman Graham. And that's a lot of stuff. You're very, um, very well known and revered in your industry. And I'm gonna start by asking you about your love for guitar music. That's the <laughs> best of all possible places to start. I know that you're a yeah. songwriter too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started playing guitar when I was 13 years old, which uh, according to my advanced math skills was 50, 50 years ago. And it's been, it's just been a really important part of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, once upon a time, that's what I wanted to do for a living. But what, then, a rock guitarist? Like no, no, really. Um, I mean, I play, when I play electric, I'm mostly a blues guy, you know, kind of blues rock kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. When I play acoustic, I'd say it's more Americana, singer, songwriter uh, stuff, yes. you know, that yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, what we used to call in the good old days, we used to call it folk music, you know. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, 
you know, so I wanted to be a musician, but then I also got married and had kids really young and discovered that uh, being a musician and um, what do you call it? Uh, feeding people were mutually exclusive ideas. So I gave up, I gave up music for, for quite some time and then eventually brought it back into my life and I've integrated it into my work. So I'll, I'll do a keynote and bust out the guitar really at, without, without much, um, you know, provocation. Coaching, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. I just, I did want to mention that first because I think it's really, it's really cool. And you live in California. So, uh, uh, the, you know, I know you live in San Diego, but it's funny. My, um, my sister lives in, um, the Valley, San Fernando Valley. And every time we're going into West, um, LA, you know, you're going, to, we either don't go the freeway. So we go Laurel Canyon. And I always yeah. think of, you know, back in the day and yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Laurel Canyon, the, the start of all of that. Um, do you, do you stop the car, get out and kind of kiss the pavement as you go through? <laughs> well, not exactly, but okay. I have, um, I have more of my sister's memories because she was into that scene big time. But, um, it was just a, actually another aside. There was a great, um, documentary on netflix not long ago right about yeah that. terrific yeah yes and i can't even remember oh it was um jacob dylan wasn't it that, that yeah it was i think it was it was his it was his project that's um, right yeah i can't remember what it's what it was called but uh, i can't tell you but it was really good and um and that's what I, you made me think of okay i digress already so um tell me about Love is just damn good business because the title is amazing. Um, well, the the thank you. The, I called the book "Love is Just Damn Good Business" because um, love is just damn good business. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been I've been doing this work of leadership development in some form or another, Janice, for uh, over three decades, and I've had amazing mentors. Uh, I've, I've had great clients that I've learned a lot from over the years and really very simply, um, what emerges when I, when I look back, not only on the re, you know, leadership research from various sources, but, but most important from my own experience and asked, what is it that characterizes the really great businesses that I've encountered and the really great leaders that I've encountered within those businesses and it's love. And, and it's a word that we don't often use in the same sentence as business, right. uh, at least not publicly, but privately we use it all the time. Hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had leaders tell me how much they love their team, love their company, love mm. their clients. Love we just haven't, and then we're just quiet about it. <laughs> uh, and the, the truth is that if we acknowledge it and then challenge ourselves to live up to it, uh, it really is damn good business. If, if we can cultivate, uh, if we can create an experience that our customers are going to love, mm -hmm. that's where our competitive advantage comes from. And if I can create a culture or an environment that my team, my employees, my colleagues, myself love working in, mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to produce for our customers. Mm -hmm. And I can't create that kind of environment unless I love it myself first and love my team. And, you know, so it's, it, it's just when you, when you, Put the spotlight on it it just becomes really obvious so the book and i've been writing about this by the way for a long time my first book the radical leap came out in 2004 in its first edition leap stands for love energy audacity and proof 
So I've been writing about it, Got it. for a long time. This but is you the first used time. The, word, the love word the first time. Got it. Yeah. But the thing is, I haven't actually made it part of the title until this book, uh, yes. you know, come out of the closet as it yeah. was on it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so the book is really about looking at, it's not just, you know, conceptually, but asking the question, what should love look like in the way that we conduct our business? And lots of examples of how companies are doing that. Okay, so when you are um, summoned to a company or you come to a client, is it usually the client, is the client usually someone who already believes in that kind of culture and you're just going to up the game with them for them? Or, or are they, do you have to turn them to that? Because I, I would think it would be a, so much easier to have that value already instilled in me to make me better, bring you in, or to make the company better, but it would be harder to turn somebody to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a great question. And there's, uh, I have, there's a lot of things I want to say in response to it. Here. So, so okay. first of all, first of all, what I've come to realize is that it's not my job to turn anybody. It's not my job to convince anybody of this. I'm not, I'm not really in the convincing business. I'm in the confirmation business. Okay. And, and what I've, what I've learned is that if somebody is, is just a dedicated, committed asshole, <laughs> there is nothing that anybody's going to say that's going to quote, turn them around. Right. Yeah. But for most people, um, these ideas, they already know. And instinctually, they already get they've just they've just been taught to believe that it's somehow is not right in the context of work. So really, all I'm doing is confirming instincts and impulses that people have already had. Now, in terms of when I get invited to speak somewhere, yeah. um, oftentimes it's because it's very my message is very congruent with the organization's message and they want reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Other times it's because they they want to get there. They aspire to get there mm -hmm. uh, and they want this inspiration um, and some ideas to help them get there. And by the way, we do full on in the weeds, uh, you know, engagements, multi-year engagements to help companies do this. Mm -hmm. But from the speaking side of things, mm -hmm. when I'm just, you know, up on the up on the stage, as it were, sometimes it's just, you know, throw the gauntlet down for us, challenge us. Um, and then there are times where my preconceived notion is very different from from what the audience in other words i, I think oh, these guys are they're, they're going to be hard they're going to be they're not going to they're not going to go for this they're going to sit there with their yeah. arms folded and you know. you know because of the industry they're in or the culture they're in or the country that they're in mm -hmm. um and uh i i'm always by now i should know that there's there you know it's very, very rare. Most people, if, if it's a company populated by human beings, they're receptive to the message. Yeah. And I've, you know, shared this idea with, you know, all, all over, all over the U S uh, the, the middle East, uh, Asia, Europe. Uh, I mean, pr pretty much just about every kind of culture. Um, and, and not just like progressive, you know, Westernized middle East. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've, I did a, a full day session with, uh, government and academic leaders in Saudi Arabia. And this was the topic of the day. And it was fantastic. It was just hmm. an amazing thing. Right. Um, so it's all over the board. Although I will say that a number of years ago, um, 
I was having lunch with a, a very uh, prominent CEO. And I was telling him about my work. And he said he was very skeptical about how people would receive it. I said, well, you know, David, um, I, I share this message with business groups all, all over the place. And I just don't see the resistance. And he says, well, they wouldn't be inviting you unless they already, unless they already were there. Um, which at first I said, oh, maybe. But I speak at a lot of association meetings. And there's all yeah. kinds of companies represented there. Okay. So, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that uh, I'm short answer challenged. That's how I want to wrap that up. Okay. You're never going to get a short answer from me. I'm just warning you. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so that did, when you were speaking, though, about that, it, it did make about, especially when you said you were in Saudi Arabia, my first vision was it was all men in the audience. Um, yeah, so uh, it wasn't. Okay. It was men and women, but they were sitting separately. Okay. Sounds like um, orthodox. And they were, <laughs> yeah. So the, again, there's, so there's some of my preconceived notions that went into this. I did spend, so typically what I'll do before, before I go into work with any group, whether it's in the U.S. or anywhere else, I spend time ahead of time talking to the client and getting to know the audience and, mm -hmm. and all of that. And in this case, I did the best I could, but the, the person who kind of gave me the orientation ahead of time on the phone, mm -hmm. his English was not that great. Mm -hmm. And I, I just didn't really understand he didn't really, we didn't understand each other very well. Once I got there in person, face to face, we communicated beautifully, but sure. over the phone, it was really hard. So anyway, um, he's kind of showing me around uh, a little bit. We're driving in a car um, and, I, and I was thinking about, you know, obviously after I got to Saudi Arabia, uh, and I was thinking about, you know, the seminar that was coming up in a couple of days. I got there a couple of days early to, you know, adjust to the time and all that. And uh, I was nervous. Because I didn't, I, I didn't know what this was going to be like culturally yeah. to this message. So I asked him, I said, you know, uh, just help me out with this. I said, you know, I am going to be talking about love in the business context. I said, how do you think, how do you think the, the group's going to respond to that idea culturally? And he had a little smile on his face and he said, we did invite you, didn't we? There you go. Right. Yeah. Um, so. You know, obviously, they, they knew my material before they invited me. Yeah. So the, the group was men and women. The women, mostly men. Women had their own tables. I remember it was off, off to my right, mm -hmm. dressed in, in the traditional. You know, some mm -hmm. of them, you can only see their eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but they were very vocal. Oh, interesting. The whole group was really talkative. You know, and we were passing the microphone around because most people actually spoke English. In fact, I'm going to say about 80% of them were educated in the West. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but for those that, that didn't, they had an, you know, a, a simultaneous interpreter going on. So they passed the microphone around. People would take headsets, you know, put headsets on, take them off, that kind of a thing. And, uh, and the women were very outspoken. So again, I had this, my kind of preconception as to what, what it was going to be like. And it was, it was absolutely wonderful. I, I would love to go back. I would hmm. love to go back. That's, that's amazing. Because what I was really thinking about when you were talking about that is come back to the United States and North America. And, you know, um, there's still a, I mean, 
there's a lot of talk, a lot of women, you know, today in the last few years, breaking the glass ceiling and doing whatever. But do you do you find when you're speaking to uh, about extreme leadership um, with an audience of women versus an audience of men, or when they're mixed, whatever, they've got to be different. They've got to react differently. They, I think they're. I think that is that is true on a, on a high level. I mean, at the risk of, uh, overgeneralizing, okay. you know, I, th I think there is a difference. Um, but there's also a difference geographically. There's a difference sure. industry wide, you know, I mean, it, but those, those differences are really more like nuances than, than big differences. Okay. So right. for example, I'll get back to the gender thing in a second, but I did a I did a speech uh, a while back to it was an association of actuaries, mm. <laughs> right? So you figure, you know, a bunch of number cruncher kind right. of people that this was going to be like, you know, pulling teeth to get yeah. any kind of a reaction from them, and they were insane. They were wild. They were they were expressive. They were funny. Uh, I was able to make, you know, fun of them, make fun of myself. And we just had a great raucous time. So you never know. But I will tell you that in general, my favorite audiences are women audiences. And the, the most significant experience of that that I had was, was uh, oh, this was a long time ago now. Uh, I'm going to say it was probably around 05, 06, something like that. Uh, I spoke to uh, Arbon. You know, Arbon is a you know, big cosmetics company. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen thousand. Nineteen thousand women. And a few gay guys. A few. Yeah. yeah. There are a few guys in the audience. Yeah. But but almost all. You know, ninety. I'm going to say yeah. ninety-eight percent women. Nineteen thousand of them, and it was insanely fun. Uh, there's something about women audiences that. I think it's it's why women tend to be better leaders too, which is there's a there's a greater sense of presence and attention uh, and investment in in the person who's talking. They're re just really great listeners. I, I mean, I have spoken to women audiences that were a little less expressive too. So you know, you just you just never know. Sure. But but yeah, my favorite audience. That's that's good. So. Um, uh, it says in uh, in your I, I read in your bio that I just read out about two things that I wanted to talk about. One, I I'm like in awe of the people that are part of the Transformational Leadership Council, and that yeah. seems like an, a most amazing organization um, to uh, to be a part of. Like when I first met you, I mentioned that um, somebody else that's on my podcast that I interviewed, Luann. Um, uh, Beckler yeah. is part of that as well. And she mentioned that, um, that you were part of it. And, you know, I mean, Jack Canfield and, uh, um, who else did I see on there? I mean, I mean, John, John Gray. Yeah. John Gray. I saw, yeah. I, I looked at, a, it was late last night. I was looking and it went on and on and on, but you know, do you meet a couple of times a year or anything like that? And yeah. So the, we it, officially, um, we meet twice a year at hmm. various places around the world. Um, it's been virtual for the last year. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, we get together for about five days oh, and really? yeah. And just, you know, hang out and list, listen to, we bring in speakers and, and learn and, and, uh, 
Now, who uh, do you bring in as speakers? My goodness. Quite, you know, quite a, quite a variety, uh, quite a variety. Yeah. And in plus, you know, we, we, TLC members will also speak. I, I've, sure. I've spoken at TLC yeah. and, it, and, and we take turns um, emceeing. Uh -huh. uh, which is one of my favorite things to do is to I MC. Bet I, I can see that. I, to I, MC I a, to, yes. uh, yeah, to MC a TLC meeting is is just great, great fun. So fun. Um, and uh, and then you know, depending on where we are, we take little tours and that kind of a thing. Um, and it's it it's something I don't go to all the meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not required to go to all of them, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's 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 a great deal of fun. It's it's kind of my you know extended family. Field. Yeah, I can see that it would be amazing. Now, the other one, though, that I'm fascinated by is the other one, the youth. Yeah. Um, I think it's young people from what age, like 19 to 20. Oh, you're talking about up with up with people, maybe? Oh, so maybe that's what I was talking about, because this other one, I saw that somewhere. But yeah, this, so this is different. The Community Alliance for that's youth. different. That's, that's different. OK, but it's still working with with. Yes. Thank with you. youth for youth so yeah the community alliance for youth success uh you could visit kspurpose.org um which was started by as you read in my bio started by bobby deporter who has a company called quantum learning network super camp is her is her mm -hmm. big program and stedman graham who's mm -hmm. you know a famous guy yeah uh and we um I met him actually. He was here. Yeah, he's he's a he's a just a lovely, gracious. I had a picture taken with him at some event. He's very tall, like my husband. Yeah, he's like he's very he's yeah. very tall. Yeah, um, <laughs> very tall. Anyway, um, and 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 the thing the thing about Stedman is Stedman and Bobby's they both had uh, a, a a big focus on youth. Bobby through her business and Stedman, you know, Stedman's a leadership guy. He does corporate stuff like right. I do. But he's also been always really passionate about about helping kids. So they started this group kind of informally a little over 10 years ago here in, in San Diego. Mm. And we just invite people from the community who were interested in helping our youth succeed. The idea being that, you know, we tend to put our youth's success uh, at the feet of the teacher, right? Saying, hey, that's your job make our kids successful or the parents exclusively. Uh, but it's really, it's, it, it, it's a community effort to make our kids successful. It should be. Mm -hmm. So it started kind of informally just as a discussion. And over the years, we got more and more focused and what it's, and I joined about just a little under 10 years ago, I think. And I'm part of the, you know, I'm the steering committee. And um, we're really about helping kids to discover their purpose early on in life. So we have a curriculum, a free curriculum mm. uh, for high school kids mm. that's really designed to help them discover their purpose. I mm. mean, when you were in high school, was that even a discussion that you had with, with adults involved or anybody involved? You know, what purpose, what the hell is that? I'm yeah. just, I was just wanted. I was just playing guitar, so I, I did kind of discover my purpose, but not in a way that I was. Your passion, but, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's for sure. Um, so uh, we meet once a month. Uh, everybody's welcome to come to our meetings, and we're in the process now of getting you know sharing the experience of that curriculum, and giving people the opportunity to check it out for themselves. So we we meet 
and I'll, and I'll give you the details. I'd love it if you could put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Invite, you know, everybody's welcome to come and uh, experience that curriculum and then help spread the word about it. We're just trying to, we don't charge money for this stuff. It's all volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's something that I, I really love being a part of. That's, yeah, I love working with kids and, and um, I'm a teacher by trade. So that's the, my natural instinct is to want to, you know, do something like that um, to help kids. It's great. Um, so it, can you give me an example of a company that is the epitome of what you teach, of what you um, train on? Sure. Extreme leadership. Yeah, I can. Um, I'll share with you my, my current favorite example of that. Okay. Uh, I will say it with a caveat, um, epitome, the epitome of a love based or leap based Mm -hmm. love energy, audacity proof based company. To me, the implication is that they just got it down there. Perfect. (laughs) So I haven't seen the perfect company yet. Okay. So just that's my my qualifier. Okay. So the the um, my my favorite case study of the of the uh, of the era is a mm-hmm. company called Trailer Bridge. Trailer Bridge. Trailer Bridge. I've written about them a lot. I wrote about them in the book. I've I've done videos and interviews with them, and I know them really well. Uh, they are a shipping and logistics company based in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I love them as an example is that they're not the stereotypical company that would it would create a love-based culture right 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 right. shipping they ship stuff so they ship barges of containers of stuff primarily from jacksonville to uh primarily to puerto rico and dominican republic Mm. um they've been in business for over 30 years okay so here's their story briefly believe it or not uh because it goes on and on and on but uh in a nutshell they used to be terrible. <laughs> they they were an awful company. Now, now, what characterizes an awful company? Well, for one thing, the customers give them terrible reviews, mm-hmm. which was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for another thing, they lost a lot of money because, you know, they had to, <laughs> their service was so bad, they had to discount their prices to get any customers <laughs> to begin with. Okay. Uh, and when I say they lost a lot of money, I mean, they went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, for another thing, their employees hated working there. So the turnover was really high. So high turnover, not making any money. Customers hated them. Toxic was yeah. the place, right? So that's what I mean by they were awful. And they burned through, the, as they emerged from bankruptcy, they, they went through four CEOs in three years. Was it a public company or was Not a public it privately company. owned? Yeah, okay. Privately owned, owned actually owned it. Privately owned, uh, owned by um, you know investment bankers and uh, you know that that sort of a thing. Pri- private equity mm-hmm. company, so not publicly traded. And they uh, yeah, so four CEOs in three years, four heads of HR in the same period of time. So you just get a sense of the environment. Sure. So one of their senior executives who was a, a fairly new hire at the time uh, was a guy named Mitch Luciano and Mitch was a love guy so he had read the radical leap he'd read my first three books I think mm-hmm. the radical leap the radical edge greater than yourself and you didn't this know was, him at the time or you did? I didn't know him. Okay. I, didn't, I had not met him um, he met me through my work 
-hmm. not personally, yeah. but yes. you know. Yeah. Uh, so it became a part of who he was as a leader and how he approached things. So when the board came to Mitch and asked him to take over as CEO, he was reluctant at first because they had just been through, you know, I think three CEOs. I think he might have been the fourth. Yeah. And uh, and he said, okay, I'll do it, but I won't take the title of CEO. I'll be president. I'll earn the title of CEO. Mm -hmm. When when the employees are ready to call me CEO, I'll do it. I'll be it. Uh, and he, then he said, to, he said to the board, you just got to let me do it my way. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a love guy. <laughs> he didn't say now. He didn't say that. He didn't no, say those no. words. But yeah. that's what he was thinking, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so what what he said was, I've got to create. First of all, I have to create this company. We have to turn this company into a place that people love being in, mm -hmm. which was a radical departure from where they'd been. Right. So he looked at everything through that lens. What should love look like in the way that we do business? Mm -hmm. How are we going to turn this into a place that people are going to love? Well, relationships, someone once said, oh, rule. My favorite word. Yeah. Relationships rule, do they yeah. not? So he said, I've got to build relationships. I've got to give people a chance to get to know each other because they were you know, a small company, 130, 140 people maybe at the time. And their building was floor-to-ceiling cubicles. So people could literally work together for 10 years and never see each other, right? Sitting right next to each other. So he did two things right out of the gate. He lowered the heights of the cubicles mm -hmm. so people could actually and would have, have to look at each other. Yeah. Uh, and he abolished the name tags because up until that point, everybody wore name tags. He said, we're 130 people. <laughs> we should know each other's names. Let's start with that. Yeah. So he abolished the name tags lowered the cubicles, created a, uh, a place in the break area that people would want to hang out in. Mm -hmm. So he brought in a ping pong table, foosball table, popcorn yeah. machine, you know, that kind of thing, just to cultivate an environment where people would get to know each other. Because he figured if they get to know each other, then they'll get to like each other and they'll look forward to coming to work and that can't hurt, right? Right. And that's exactly what started to happen. But then they also looked at, um, they looked at their, their company policies and procedures. And the the filter they put everything through was, is this something that our customers will love, that our employees will love, et cetera. So I'll give you one example of many, many. It had been a longstanding policy at Trailer Bridge that unless the barge that was to ship was at least 75% full, it would not sail because they would lose money. It had to be 75 or more percent full for them to make any money on the shipment, right? Mm -hmm. So they said, we'll wait until we fill it up before we go. Well, if you look at it simply on a balance sheet, that, well, that makes sense, right? Because sure. they're not in business to lose money. Well, they seem to demonstrate that pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, so if you flip it around and look at it from the customer's perspective, you get a very different picture. Mm -hmm. Customer doesn't care if you're losing money on the shipment. It's they care. Stuff there. That's right. They care that that car that they're shipping to Puerto Rico is going to get there on the date that they told their family it was going to get there. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is that that time would come and go, and they'd call the company and say, "Where's where's the car?" And they say, "Oh, it's hasn't left the harbor yet." Well, why not? Well, because we haven't we haven't filled it up yet. <laughs> so so they flipped it around and they said they asked this question. If we loved our customer, what would we do in that case? 
And when they asked the question that way, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. We, w- we would sail. Yeah. So they changed the policy. We sail when we say we're going to sail because that's what you do so, for people. So that makes me think of something that actually that just happened to me. And I, I think that when companies need to pay it still today, like, okay, it's, it's COVID um, times. I know I'm not supposed to say that word, but you know, it's, it's different times now. We have to think of the world. You're as not supposed different. to say what word? Well, I, I, I feel as though, you know, we want to just say it's just different times, you know, not focus on the, on the, the negative, but um, I don't want to call it gravity, but it's still what keeps me on the earth. I mean, what's, I know, what the hell? Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so I bought, I went to a store um, uh, about a month and a half ago now to buy a new um, kind of recliner chair, leather chair. My husband's 10 years old. It's time for a new one. I finally talked him into it. We went back to the same place that we went before because the chair was good quality and we liked it and whatever. It was easy, but it's different now. So you buy the chair. But now you don't know if you're going to get the chair in a month or in six months because you right. don't know where it is on the container, right? Right. So the woman that was the sales clerk said, I think we're good. This one says, you know, you should get it in three weeks to a month. That time went by, no chair, no phone call, no, no anything. So I finally called the other day and I asked for the sales clerk. She was busy with a customer, which kind of makes my blood boil when they say that. And I, and she said, but can I help you with anything? And I said, well, maybe I said, chair, this is what she told me. She said, you know, I think my chair's on that shipment too. And I don't think it's coming till July. And I said, well, isn't that lovely? Would it have been nice to let me know? Right. Maybe just from customer service standpoint to give us a call and say, Hey, by the way, we haven't forgotten you. And so had this long conversation with the receptionist and she said, I said, just make sure the right people get to know that that's not a great way to do business. You have a reputation on the one hand of get, you know, the good products, but you're losing it with this. And she said, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm going to take that to the next meeting. I said, thank you. Yeah. I still haven't heard from that woman that sold it to me, however, that gets the commission on it because, but, you know, pretty simple, isn't it? It's so easy. Just show a little love, right? Just yeah. show a little love. That's exactly yeah, it. Yeah. So the, the furniture industry is notorious for that, uh, for one thing. That's that's a big opportunity for them. Um, but I, let me give you the punchline on Trailer Bridge. So they, they made all those changes and I'll just I'll just skip to the punchline. Uh, they have been voted. Let's see, in 2017, they were voted number one best place to work in Jacksonville. 2018. Wow. 2018, they were voted number two best place to work, which really pissed off their employees because they said that they deserved to be number one. Uh, And then this last year, 2020, they were voted number one again uh, during the pandemic. And they they have year over year for the last several years have had stellar performance. They had two years in a row of revenues that exceeded the previous 25 years of the company combined. Okay. Uh, they're just where, killing it. Where did you come in? Did this guy that the president soon to be CEO had read all your books and believed in, in what you had to say, did he eventually bring you in? Well, it's, it's also a great question. They did all that. I didn't even know they existed. Yeah. Uh, and then they reached out to me. They actually, they actually sent several of their, executives through our certification program. Oh, I love it. Uh, 
after they'd already accomplished a lot of this. So since then, uh, so they have several people that are certified in the extreme leadership methodology, the LEAP methodology. I've been out there to visit. I've spoken to the company and they've been on my podcast and we've, you know, so it's, I've gotten to know them very well, but they did the, they did the first lion's share of that work from the books. Yes, and that must feel amazing. That, Unbelievable. That, yeah, that's yeah. a great story, actually, because um, it's all in your books, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was really. Um, you know, it's it's hard to describe uh, the sense of of uh, personal gratification um, hearing and those stories. Pride, and there are lots pride. of. There are lots of stories like that. I mean, for companies, but also for individual individual people, and uh, for anybody who's who's ever written a book and and had, you know, more than a couple of people read it, uh, we we all have the same experience. It's it's it's, it's a wonderful thing. So um, it says on your wall behind you, "Do what you love in the service of people who love what you do." Yeah. Um, I interviewed a, a guy on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, who. Um, he's in the podcast world and he, he, his book is called micro famous and he is focuses on the real estate industry. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you, if you've, um, heard of him, his name is Matt Johnson, but he's a really nice guy. And he says, you know, narrow your niche as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you know, know, um, what, who you want to serve and, and that kind of made me think of that. Do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. You yes. don't have to serve everybody, but you have to serve the people or you have to serve them well, the people that that um, are your people. Exactly. And I, I love that term, micro-famous. I know. It's, it's, it, um, I liked it too. He's a really nice guy. You should listen to the podcast. And yeah, yeah, well, you know, people... When people say to me, because you know I've written a few books and... and I know you and, have. And all that. So they'll say, well, well you're you're famous. You're kind of famous. And my response to that is, um, well, uh, yeah, I'm famous among the people who know me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. As, as are as are you, as are all of us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do what you love in the service of people who love what you do, which is also the subtitle of, of the, you know, the love is just oh. damn good business um, is is kind of our credo around mm -hmm. here. And mm -hmm. we refer to it as the extreme leaders credo. So the, the three elements to that are you're doing what you love, but you're doing that to serve people. Mm -hmm. And when you serve people in an extraordinary way and they raise their hand and they say, I love how you serve me. Well, that's your ideal client. That's who you want to spend more time with. And you want more people like that in your life. So I know it's funny. Um, you know, you know that you're not going to um, your way or your personality isn't going to resonate with everybody. But when it does, I had somebody yesterday that I was talking to about um, doing some training for her organization and the women that she was coaching. And she sent me a message last night saying, I didn't say this to you, but I interviewed three LinkedIn trainers and you were by far the best one. I want you, right? Awesome. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about connecting, right? And it's just who you connect with. And then, you know, I, I was flattered and it felt good. However, I felt better about the fact that we actually built rapport right away and, and yeah. comfortable talking to her. And, you know, I felt that way about you. I, I was, I heard you speak uh, on a, a big networking event and I acted on a prompting, which is something people in um, my 
um, business do um, because I'm about people and relationships and I'm um, Cody Bateman is one of my my mentors who is the owner of send out cards and he always says act on your promptings and send out cards is a tool to be able to do that quickly right. my prompting was to reach out and say hey I want to talk to you Steve because I want to have you on my podcast but I just said, I want to talk to you. You sent me back your uh, calendar link immediately and you didn't even know who I was. However, I knew that we were going to connect and I knew that it was going to be comfortable and it was, and I appreciate that from you, but you're that yeah, well, thank you. Well, you know why that is no. because relationships rule. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and toward that end, I just got to tell you one more thing. Please, at the I, beginning, I'm, I'm overstaking your time, but I'm at, I, at I'm the beginning of uh, at the beginning of uh, back in the early days of the COVID. Yes, you know, back in the olden days of the COVID, <laughs> um, when we didn't know what the hell was going to happen, and we were all you know sitting at sitting at home. I, I realized that that uh, I'm sitting at home, everybody's sitting at home. Well, why not just talk to each other? So I I sent out to my email list. Um, which is not ginormous, but you know it's bigger, bigger than Some. you know something. Yeah. Uh, and I said, listen, we're all we're all at home, and I'm I'm in the business of of you know listening to people and helping people out. So if you want to book a call with me, just to talk about whatever's going on, nice. Uh, here's my link, and I, I just broadcast my schedule link, and and for the next six weeks. I went from Zoom call to Zoom call with some people that I'd known before and some people I'd never met before. And there was no agenda. It was just because, because relationships, yeah. that's why. And it was so energizing. It was tiring, yes. but it was also really energizing. And I, it, it's, it's at the core of everything we should all be doing. It's about reaching out to each other as human beings. Mm -hmm. And if what you need and what I offer line up that's potential business mm -hmm. and if not at least we're helping each other out i think that's a really great place to wrap up because i know i've overstepped my bounds and also um to just ask you one last thing and um you kind of just said it i think but if you want to elaborate what's one piece of advice that you could share with my audience that has helped you the most in business yeah, I think I, I, there's there's a lot. I, I it's hard to narrow it down to one, but I I think it is that give of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my third book, Greater Than Yourself. The premise is that the greatest leaders become the greatest leaders by making others greater than themselves, mm -hmm. and that our approach ought to be as human beings, whether we're in leadership positions or not, is to reach out and lift other people up, mm -hmm. and there's never a downside to that. That's and true. that's love. That's an act of love. And then that see is. where that takes you. Fantastic. So, Steve, I'm going to put in the show notes where people can get to see you, stevefarber.com. You're, you're going to give me, a, again, the, um, the information about the um, Community Alliance piece and um, your books. And we're all good to go. So Great. Yeah, stevefarber.com is the, is the place to, uh, to reach out. And it's been a real pleasure, Janice. Thanks for oh. having me. Thank you so much. And again, thank you to my audience. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and please let Steve know. He's probably still taking uh, Calendly calls or whatever his booking uh, system is. And uh, thank you again for being there and being supportive. And thank you, Steve. This was amazing. 
And remember everybody, stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.